Radio.com. Well, to be fair, though, I didn't re- I, I'm now starting the file again. So there's no record of what we just did, except for. Uh, so it's like it never happened. Well, o- only in that if you were watching Facebook a minute or two ago, we stopped the stream and started it again. So here we are. This is due to Howard's uh, leaving a toothpick in his computer. Yeah. It's a long day. Amazing what a little toothpick can do to you, huh? In you know, day and age. Fred. Yes. I'm here. What do you say about all this, my friend? Well, we're ready to roll. Uh, yeah, but, you know, um, do you want to do, should we just ignore this? <clears throat> ignore what? Uh, this conversation about my toothpick or what happened to the computer for the entire day? Why, why it looks a little different today? Well, we're signing on a bit late and, um, the show is going to sound a little bit different because of your access to, oh, that's right. Oh, I forgot effects about that. and music. So you might want to explain why. Yes. Uh, Dan, why don't you explain it while I actually find this here? Okay. So yesterday, Howard was uh, <laughs> hanging around with his computer, and uh, he shut the lid on the computer once t- he was done in his uh, casual, uh, moving on to something else way, and left a toothpick. He has, uh, he has a toothpick fetish. I and, do. Uh, he left it on his computer, and the, the screen uh, just managed to move enough. It was a bit of a pry bar at the very back of the screen, and it pushed the screen away from the computer, his very expensive MacBook Pro. Yes. And uh, it broke the screen. And so and, then and, you know, he couldn't see anything on the screen, and then he started calling me and calling people and everything. You know, it, it was so subtle that I didn't even know. I couldn't figure out until I went to the repair shop, and they said... Um, yeah, there's a little tiny crack in it. I'm like, really? And what it did is it just sent the all the stuff behind the screen into a frenzy, like lines and... <clears throat> yeah, the repair shop, something. is that where Hunter Biden's uh, laptop was? And they actually had, they were working on it. They were working oh, on it when I got there, yeah. And Dan says, <clears throat> excuse me, Dan says... Uh, toothpick fetish i'm i get images now of you sticking toothpicks down the <laughs> no. hole yeah i was gonna say fetish is a bit strong dan it's exactly i'm not sticking them two by two into my wiener hole <laughs> like, but, really? but he's right but he's right i do have toothpicks and now i've got these super dental ones that are like a, they're like flossing and it's a hard plastic you can see it it like a little bow and arrow by bows. See? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's more. Oh, that. Okay. I, I was, I'm thinking some little wooden toothpick no. thing. <clears throat> and I started using these because I'll be honest, I don't, I don't floss as much as I'd like to. I find it tedious. And uh, these are both a floss. You can see the floss part. Yes. And you can see the pick part. Yes. And um, I've had great success with it. your dental health is up well i I only from the standpoint that i feel like i'm now taking more care because you know let's go around the table how often in a week now of course dan being dan do you formally floss your teeth dan daily first thing in the morning okay really oh wow yeah i'm like once a week maybe twice depends on what i eat well, I was going to say that's I, I'm I'm just going to say for me, twice in a week would be a lot. 
if I formally, you know, get the thing out and start going back and forth. These things I do every day, several times a day. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm getting good uh, gum stimulation. And uh, <laughs> I'm getting good uh, bits of food removal. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah. You know what it is, Dan? This phrase I hear people say, it's checking all the boxes. Yeah, there you go. You got to get in the position where you don't feel right unless you do it. And I have had those waves, but I know it's like, oh, I should floss. Oh, I don't have time. <laughs> no, I know because we're so <laughs> we're so busy. Do you have? Uh, I don't know this about you two. Do you have either of you have electric toothbrushes? Yeah. No, I do. Doll does. Yeah. I have access to one, but. We have the water pick as well. Well, that's what I mean. I, I'm sorry. Mm. A water pick, I would have accepted water pick or electric toothbrush. The reason I ask is, you know, a couple of years ago, I got a fancy one. I got a water pick. I got the toothbrush. And the, the question is, how often do you use it? Well, you should, mm. daily, but, you know, a couple of times a day, really. But hold on. With a water pick, I've never used one of those things. What are what, is it just spraying water around your mouth? That's basically yeah, it's a, swish, like, swish. It's almost like a drill bit. It goes in and it just blows the little food particles out yeah. around your gum and the base of your teeth. Oh, well, that's like flossing then. So you guys yeah. do that every day? Oh, no. I, my point is I got it. It's fancy. I used it for oh. a while and then the novelty wears off. You know what it's like, Dan? You know that part of the of the hygiene visit where at some point. Hygiene. Hygiene. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I was just waiting. Hygiene. Mm-hmm. Uh, during that visit sometimes the hygienist and i was gonna say she but that's racist no it's sexist because it's not just something it's something it's got to be something yeah we'll get to that um at that point where she or he shoots the uh super high powered water in between your teeth that part of the the cleaning that's the best that's what that water pick is like oh okay oh yeah wow uh, Dan, I can see how Dan has time every day to because uh, <laughs> he's got time to brush his dog's teeth every day. So. Well, yeah, yeah, and I kid you not. Yeah, I know. But only one of those is mandatory. <laughs> it's, it's Cliff. Dan could go a couple of days and his breath wouldn't smell like his own asshole. But Cliff, I mean, I love yeah. that dog, but those yeah. teeth were getting there. Yeah. <clears throat> Cliff was know. very upset when I was leaving the Tin Palace yesterday. Aw. He didn't want to. He didn't. I feel bad because I go over and knock on the door and Colton comes in. And I said, you can have your dog back. <laughs> and Cliff stands there and looks at me like, you're not leaving, are you? And he just stands on the road while I drive away. Sad. Sad. Yeah. Cliff was uh, visiting last year at some point just before Dan had taken care of Cliff's teeth. And the next day, I can't remember. I remember saying to Freddie. I said, yeah, I had a fun visit with Cliff. Cliff and Stan were playing. And I said, but I could actually smell Cliff's mouth <laughs> from from afar. And not that, you know, it was like, whoa. Because I get right into Cliff's face. You know, I'm right in there, you know, you know, licking and playing. But yeah. <clears throat> he's better now, though. Yeah. He's well, he's had some teeth removed. So I give him these little milk bone, soft milk bone treats. And it's sad to watch him chew them. Because he's got a position at sort of where his teeth are, as Aww. opposed to where they aren't. And well, you know, the kind of money Dan's going to be making now that his uh, stage acting career is going to oh. be taken off. He can get Cliff a new bridge, like a dog bridge, <laughs> like one of those false teeth. You just stick it in there. 
Dan will be winning a Tony Award. Oh, that's right. Dan will be one of those uh, multi, you know, act, does Actra have a version of the, uh, what is that thing where you win the Emmy, the Oscar, the Tony, the Academy oh, Awards, right, yeah. the EGOT I, or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. It, I imagine there's something like that. Yeah. There's whatever the, uh, what are the stage actors? Is it the Bessie Awards in sure. Canada? Yeah. Can't remember. Trust me, neither of us know. Yeah. Um, all right. We got to get the show started because uh, I know we, we were a little bit late getting going and uh, where we, we have an interview right at nine and then I got to take off uh, heading to Kingston for, uh, yes, another golf tournament uh, today and tomorrow. And then um, and then we're back next week. I mentioned this yesterday. We're back next week. It's going to be a full, you know, a four day Humble and Fred super week. And today, uh, we began, as, as Fred mentioned, some of the sound might be a little bit different today because I don't have access to everything that's on my old computer. But now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the Humble and Fred studios in trendy Toronto, beautiful Brampton, and from Liz and Scott's backyard. And is brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, and Health Gauge. And now here are two men who, on this fall eve, are very excited to participate in this year's push of the pumpkin spice sector. It's Pumpkin Humble and Spicy Fred. Thank you, Dan Duran. Always a pleasure being in your presence. Having you on this show is, uh, you know what it is, Freddie? It's a blessing having Dan Duran oh, here. Oh, yeah, right. and not in disguise either. No, no, it's a real blessing. As uh, as my people would say, it's a real mitzvah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a real bit of nachas. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned, Noel Kassler making his uh, monthly appearance. Dan's got some news. I, I Dan, I don't have... Dan's gone. I was going to say it. I don't have the... Uh, Dan Duran, uh, Anchorman song. You know, I guess so now we're actually going to have to sing it today. In unison. That'll be brutal. Um, Let's start off with, I I saw this Twitter feed and I thought, oh, Freddie would love this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd never seen it before, but I thought, you know, you might, and I know you're not on the social medias, (laughs) but uh, I thought you might enjoy this. It's called Old, let me make sure I got it right. Old NHL. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, here it is. I apologize. Everything's in a different place now. I'm sorry. It's called Old Hockey Cards. And um, some cool facts. Before 1956, so kind of around the time that you were born, before I was born, in the NHL, did you know that a two-minute penalty went the full two minutes? I did not know this. Even if the other team on the power play scored multiple goals. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Maybe you do because you're shaking your head. Do you know why the rule was changed? Because the Montreal Canadiens were so prolific. Jean, Jean Beliveau. Yeah. In 1955, Beliveau scored three goals in 44 seconds. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. During a power play. The next year, the reason you remember the Canadians is the rule was actually called the Canadian Canadians rule. Yeah. Which is too bad because I've often two things I don't understand about power plays in the NHL. Why does the player come back on the ice after you score? 
because it would increase scoring and make the game, from my perspective, more interesting. And I don't understand why you get to ice the puck either during. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. No, I know. A penalty is a penalty. Like, I don't think there's any other sport that softens their penalties the way the NHL does. So just think if the other team scores, you you know, your player stays in the penalty box and you're not allowed to ice the puck. There'd be some, uh, it would really increase scoring. I think it would be fun. I think it would be spectacular, actually. But the Habs, see, they wreck everything. <laughs> that, that's funny. I knew you were coming to that conclusion. It's all a Habs fault. Um, interesting. And Hebsher, who's our buddy, Mark Hebsher, does a great uh, sports program on Fridays. He goes live at 9 with our friend Mike Boone. Hebsey made a, a comment on that post that I thought was also interesting, that until 19... I don't have this part in front of me, so I'll just think it was around till the late 60s, 67, right. 66, where the playoff structure was one against three, two against four. How did yeah. that make any sense? Yeah, I, that's another thing. Yeah, that's just the way it was. I remember that. But think about it. If you, so you finish first in the league. You have you to play sh- the better team. Than the, the better team. team. You'd yeah. be better off finishing second uh, in order to get out of that round because you get, to yes. fi- you get to play the fourth best team. Yes, that's the way it was. And I think it was, oh, maybe not till the 80s when... Well, no, maybe in the seventies when they went to a you know a twelve team, and then a sixteen team NHL when the playoffs were set up like one would play eight, two would play seven. Mm-hmm. That was the best system. Even the system they have now is odd. I mean, we don't have to get into that, but it's just so unequal across the league. When you earn that designation as finishing first or second, yeah, your first round opponent should be easy. It should or, be the weakest. It, you're, if you're if you finish first, you get the privilege of playing the team, the weakest team that qualified for the playoffs. That's how a a bracket system is supposed to work. But why they thought one v three was how did that make any sense to anyone at the time? No, I know. Well, look at last year, the Leafs. I think they finished with the fifth best record in the NHL, and their first round opponent is the Tampa Bay Lightning, who were like sixth. So there were other teams in the NHL that finished with a lot less points than the Leafs that drew weaker teams. Right, exactly. You know, they got to fix that. Here, my ultimate would be eight teams from each conference make it. It should be one versus eight, right? Yeah. Two versus seven. And then in the second round, crossover conferences. So when there's eight teams left, one West plays two East, one East plays two West. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, but why do you, why do you, I I like the idea. Obviously, initially it makes more, the more, the most sense. Why do you like the cross conference? Well, because I think, because sometimes like right now, I believe the Eastern conference is considered stronger than the West. It, it, it allows at the end, a better chance of having the two best teams uh, meet for the Stanley Cup. Uh, uh, yeah, that makes sense. And I, I guess uh, I'm surmising. Hello, surmise uh, that the reason they do it the way they do is that they want the interconference portion to be the Stanley Cup final. Yes, yes. Which all sports tend to do. Yeah. But if um, you switched over, you could, you know, theoretically have... Well, you could have two Eastern teams playing for the Cup. Well, that's why they don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it would be, as you say, it would identify the two best teams that didn't get... Because a lot of times you can get, as you said, the Leafs played their first-round opponent 
they could have played a weaker team depending on who finished where. Um, by the yeah. way, speaking of sports, let's uh, give a little shout out, as the kids like to say, to uh, one of our great supporters, Bodog. Yes, Bodog. Uh, listen, go to Bodog today. All the odds are there for the NFL uh, weekend games. And I know there's other um, sports to wager on, including baseball. And by the way, President's Cup this week. The President's Cup. Um, but again, let's not kid ourselves. The NFL odds are a lot of, uh, uh, they gain a lot of attention because people um, are involved in office pools and everything. Bodog is your go-to for that. Yeah, All right. Go do it. Um, a little sports tidbit that I have this morning, too. And of course, it's a Toronto Maple Leaf embarrassment again is uh yesterday sedano chara oh yeah i saw this after 24 years in the nhl (laughs) sedano chara from the boston uh, bruins yeah huge great defenseman it now means that in the entire nhl there is not one active player who has ever lost a playoff series to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Think about that. Oh, no. I, um, by the way, I, I didn't know what you were going to say. You said you had mm-hmm. this embarrassing Leafs thing mm-hmm. before the show. Uh, I had seen that yesterday. And it, I, one I, player. I, yeah. There's not one player in the NHL active right now where you can say, hey, remember you lost to the Leafs in the playoffs? <laughs> nope. Nope. You know, the Lumbee yesterday said something about, you know, the Queen's, some, you know, something about the Queen being in black and white like the last time the Leafs won the cup. It was uh, before color television. Yeah. Also, P.K. Subban uh, retired yesterday, just a short 13-year career. Yeah. You know, he just hit the NHL with a splash and so much fun to watch. and Pretty high impact for a guy. With yeah. that, you know, not the longest career. Although nowadays, is 13 years mm-hmm. not sort of a long-ish? Well, someone with his talent, but his back, he just couldn't. He just had no more. He lost a lot of mobility because of his back right. and the stiffness of it. And uh, he just struggled to play. He, he struggled to be um, significant. So he's uh, packing it in. You know, I told you, I, we talked about this years ago on the podcast. <laughs> That Edmonton Steve had worked with PK one year just for laughs and just said right. he was the just the greatest guy and, and funny and fun to work with and mm-hmm. not pretentious, you know. Yeah, I could see uh, PK ending up on uh, probably in the States on an NHL panel, like, you know, for one of the national broadcasts because he's flamboyant. It's got a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. He's got a neat perspective on things. I don't think you'll see him up here because they're trying to cut costs at every turn. Yeah. And he wouldn't come cheap. Mm, PK. Would he have made uh, significant money doing that? Oh, yeah. He had that one big contract. He had uh, uh, eight year, eight years at nine million. So he would have made upwards of a hundred million over his career. I was pretty think. good. You know, in the 80s. you know, if you, okay, maybe 80s. I and I, I, I'm not sure, but nor, north of 72. I know. That. Yeah, I was going to say, and he probably had a guy like the retirement Sherpa, you know, put him into some, uh, you know, low risk, high yield investments. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last uh, sports story before we get to one of the biggest stories. Uh, actually, well, it's not even a sports story. Do you want to leave the uh, Brett Favre thing? Because it's not, it's sort of weird. It's sports, mm-hmm. but it's also the U.S. politics, which we're going to be talking about. Okay. With Noel. But 
and maybe we'll we'll get into it with Noel a little bit. It's pretty interesting. Again, we're more fascinated by this stuff maybe than the average Canadian. What the average Canadian is, of course, talking about is our prime minister singing Bohemian Rhapsody at a piano bar a few days before the Queen's actual funeral. And uh, you and I had a, just a little quick discussion before the show because I was asking you if I should play this audio. And uh, you asked me, is there something wrong with you? And I, because mm-hmm. uh, you don't feel that way, and obviously neither do I. I do see why Canadians might be upset. And it's not just politically. Obviously, if you're, um, you know, anti-Trudeau, you're going to hate whatever he does. And this is going to, mm-hmm. this is going to make it worse. But I kind of get why even people that aren't anti-Trudeau might find this embarrassing. But that being said, I don't. And as I said to you, it's not like he was going to the funeral of a child. You know, there, it's, it's a woman who died of natural causes a few years shy of her 100th birthday. You know, how right. somber should you be? So help me with that. And again, it's not a leading question or anything because embarrassing from what perspective? Just not showing respect? Like... So in a situation like that, he should have thought, oh, so this guy's playing the piano and it's the Friday night before the thing and there's a bit of a sing along. Oh, I better not because the queen died. Like, this is my disconnect. I don't know. I I mean, I don't know. I guess that's what I'm what I'm saying is I see that people would see that they go, well, it's three days before Her Majesty's crypt party, so we can't sing. And again, a lot of it is from the anti-Trudeau sentiment. Sure. So let's just take that off the table. Right. Listen, if you lined up for 24 hours to walk by the casket for three or four seconds, yeah, I I could see how you would be upset. Yeah, that that. might be aggravating. Yeah, you might be upset at Trudeau because you're really extreme in your love for her. I get it. Um, But I, I, it just makes me laugh. Like... It's not like he had a piano on a float and he was singing Bohemian Rhapsody in a T-shirt while the casket was going to wherever it goes. That might be a bit disrespectful. But three nights, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, before the funeral Mm -hmm. in a a bar in London, a 50-year-old dude singing along with a guy playing piano from quebec so he would have known the man mm-hmm. the piano player very famous in quebec mm-hmm. so it was a part you know it was a jovial atmosphere it was after hours yes he's the prime minister but he's also just a dude hanging out in a bar probably had a beer or two but they what, what i go, go i just want to say quickly the pushback and it started with jeff mm-hmm. you know when, when lumby was talking about it and he was you know very very upset about it but he's not alone no no well, that's what makes the world go around you, you scratch your head sometimes and you wonder boy that's an odd perspective it comes from somewhere hey what's one of the overriding traits they all often talked about with the queen something about her personality yes yeah, so always... a person of the people uh you know sense of humor sense of humor how often she would joke with people mm-hmm like in really formal situations, you know, her little one-liners and everything to relax people. You know, when it's often, you know, you know, an athlete, his dad will die. And, you know, you, you're going to play this weekend. Well, of course, because my dad would have wanted me to. 
you know, that mindset. And I'm sure, given the Queen's personality, what we knew about her, would she give a shit? Probably not. No. (laughs) It would be different if he, like, and again, it's a a woman who died just shy of being 100, served Mm -hmm. beautifully 70 years. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a weird little tie-in, but if it was the prime minister going to pay respects at the memorial of a mass shooting at a school, I'd say, okay, that's a little bit like calm yourself down, you know, Justin. And he wouldn't have. But but you know what I mean? Like, I know one is the, you know, yes, it's a somber occasion, but not that somber to be fair. And and what I, why it came up in our little pre-show meeting, if you want to call it that, is this is uh, Sid or Tim? Sid, right? Sid. So like Sid Sarah? went to yeah. Sid went to breakfast television, hmm. and I I'm gonna play this. I got and I know. Listen, I don't even know the guy. And if you're a big fan of his, I'm not saying anything about his quality as a broadcaster. This is just an example that I found of the reaction and and his reaction. Sid's reaction is very much like our buddy Jeff Lumby. This is a state trip on taxpayer dollars for a funeral okay that video looks bad i don't care what argument i hear the other way there are 500 dignitaries and world leaders at this event for this funeral what where's the video of joe biden doing that Where's the video of the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz doing that? Where's Angela Merkel's video singing Bohemian Rhapsody? Where's Emmanuel Macron of France doing that? Where's Liz Truss, the Prime Minister of Britain? Where's Boris Johnson? Boris Johnson's an idiot. And he still didn't get caught doing that on camera during the weekend of the funeral of Queen Elizabeth, who was on the throne for 70 years. We're the lead country in this democracy. In this monarchy. Okay, so you see that. And, and again, I'm not commenting on him, his talent, you know, doing a bit there. I know, and again, I know part of what he's doing, we do, is, you know, being more outraged maybe for effect. Mm-hmm. But I think he represents, that thinking represents a lot of Canadians. Mm-hmm. It doesn't represent my opinion of it, but I get why. I can see why people might think that way and not just because they don't like Trudeau. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I guess that more or less sums it up. Uh, yeah, you know, they see it one way, we see it another way, yeah. But, uh, you know, part of me thinks it's pretty cool. Even <laughs> no, from the security standpoint, that not too many world leaders could just be hanging out in the goddamn uh, uh, foyer, or I think that's what it was, of the hotel, the lobby of the hotel, which I think sort of says something about Canada. Maybe it's insignificance, but at at the same time, you know, the type of country we are and what we value. And then uh, the fact that, uh, you know, we have a prime minister that would let it hang out a bit there. Again, I, that's my perspective. And the argument about, and again, here's what I see is, you know, he's representing Canada and a lot of Canadians don't want, didn't, didn't think that our prime minister should represent us in that manner. Yeah. I guess. Again, let's park that for a second. Mm-hmm. What he actually did, though, 
that that's the part that I don't really think is such a big deal. It, it's like, as, again, it wasn't for them. It wasn't a memorial for a mass shooting or for 9-11 or, you know, some, mm-hmm. you know, uh, something that I can't think of now. A more somber, more sort of, hey, let's just all yeah. take it down a notch. It's the and it was three nights before it wasn't at it wasn't at a function. See, I would understand if it was at a, an official function. Mm hmm. And it, it appeared to be somewhat spontaneous, too, which has to be considered. I don't think he went into the lobby. Okay. <laughs> That's right. He didn't say to the piano player, do you know Bohemian Rhapsody? Because I think that would be a, a, one, a fitting tribute to our queen. That guy, too, from Quebec, the piano player who's received several awards. He's world-renowned piano player. Again, I forget his name, but, you know, he was down there playing. So it was, it was sort of spontaneous. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, if that, listen, if that puts a bee in your bonnet, then, uh, great, right. <laughs> and I'd love to be all over the guy, but I just can't like logic or just, and again, logic, my logic is different than someone else's logic. My logic, Fred Patterson logic says, wow, what's the big effing deal? But yeah, well, Fred Patterson logic says there's a bee in your bonnet. Get rid of that <laughs> goddamn thing. <laughs> it's been a long time since you and I were wearing bonnets. But as I said to you before the show, too, it's just where we're at. There's no middle ground. There's no the idea of reasoning has been lost through politics. It's just if that isn't your team, no matter what that guy does, it's wrong. And whatever my guy does, I will defend it to the end. Um, And there's a lot of that, as you say, in this. And, you know, I guess there's some in the middle, too. Well, I'm in the middle. I don't like Trudeau, and I, I can't, I, I can't bring myself to piss all over the guy for singing a little song, spontaneously in a hotel lobby. Sorry, can't go there. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be some Canadians mm-hmm. that think it's like, hey, that's pretty cool. Like I said to you before the show, mm-hmm. if that's the worst thing that our prime minister has done. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, a lot of people would be like, well, there's lots of other things, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, as, as far as on the world stage, you know, if the worst thing you can say about our prime minister is he was singing, you know, again, it is pretty funny singing Queen songs mm-hmm. on the weekend. I mean, I, I get it. It's all the things that I think are funny about it are the things that make people, you know, mental about it. I think that part's funny that he's in a T-shirt singing Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, it's not like he was singing some mocking song from, I don't know, Monty Python mocking the queen or, you know what I mean? Like it it wasn't a direct, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He wasn't directly being disrespectful. No, he was indirectly, according to that dude we just listened to. And again, the reason I played that clip of Sid is that he represents that sentiment is Mm -hmm. widely represented. Ours is actually the minority, which I think is funny, which is, hey, you know what? And maybe it's being 62 and 65. And again, it often it comes back to demographics. Remember who's parked in front of the TV watching Sid on breakfast TV in the morning? People that aren't off to work or busy or have to get out of the house. They can spend the time to sit there and watch that. And who is that, Howard, usually? Mm, older people. Older folks, yes. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's something to do with our age. Like, I can't get that worked up about our prime minister yeah. singing at a piano bar. I don't 
care. Even if you think it's disrespectful, my own self inside, I don't care. It isn't that big a deal. Considering all the other things we need to worry about in this country, that doesn't really, that's not at my top of the to-do list for Trudeau. You know, it wasn't like there was posters in the lobby saying eight o'clock tonight, join the prime minister for a sing along, a queen sing along. Right. Like, you know, it, one of those lobby signs, you know, he probably just walked down there and was enjoying a glass of wine. Oh, was that bad, too? Should he have been seen drinking wine? <laughs> no, I was in thinking, public? you know, those signs that in a hotel that say Salon yeah. A tonight, Trudeau yeah. sings the queen, you yeah. know, eight o'clock. He probably wandered in and they were doing it. Next thing he knows, he was singing along a bit. Now, and this is the result. My goodness. My goodness. Meanwhile, down right. there, uh, it's gotten so complicated. I can't. I'm so glad that Noel Kassler will be with us in a couple of minutes because it's so complicated down there now. Mm-hmm. I was trying to read this thing from political about the special master and Trump's lawyers and all the things they're doing. And, and one of the first things I want to talk about with Noel is is there a strategy? There's there's so many f- different state and federal uh, indictments coming his way. Mm-hmm. It's almost too too much now. I can't keep track of it. So they've got there's that side, and our prime minister, our guy, you know, is uh, singing along with a uh, piano player. Yeah. There's so much against Trump. Uh, Trump. I've actually lost track, which means I've sort of lost interest until something finally happens. Something decisive, something meaningful. Yeah. You know, it's. Uh... Hey, by the way, I just said my goodness there. And that sometimes I find myself going, oh, my God, or I swear to God. And then I'm thinking that's just so hypocritical of me, given the way you and I feel about religion. And I was thinking maybe adopting my gourd. Oh, my gourd. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, my, my gourd. gourd. It, you know, at least we know there's gourds, right? Yeah. We don't know there's a God. Oh, I do. I would say, I swear to Gord. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, I do. I heard this discussion on Stern yesterday. He was interviewing the lead singer of Imagine Dragons, who was brought up a Mormon. And he asked him, well, do you believe in God now? And he said, no, I'm not an atheist, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, well, I guess that, I guess I must be. Because I, because atheist is you, you are certain there is no God. And agnostic, I think, is you're not sure, but you don't believe there is. You're just sort of hedging your bet. And I thought to myself, right. as yes. I heard that, I thought, no, mm-hmm. even though I can't prove there isn't, mm-hmm. I think there's enough proof that there isn't. Right. But again, we know there's gourds. So when somebody sneezes, what will you say? <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, Lord, Lord bless, bless you. And they'll look at me like I'm weird, but within my own, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm being a hypocrite. No, I like it. No, I listen. I'm, you know me. I support everything you say. You a few know weeks me. Ago, I, I, supply, my, uh, I sign every petition you put in front of me. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I picked my mother-in-law up in Kitchener, and I'm driving her back to Brampton to stay with us for a couple of days, and there was some schmozzle on the 401. So I took the back route and right through Mennonite country, right? <laughs> Not to laugh, but it, it, and then I passed a bunch of these young Mennonite guys, you know, in their wagons with their horses, and a couple of... They've actually, some of them were on bicycles, and I'm thinking, is that like, is that okay? Like, and then I'm thinking, what's the whole thing that they, they won't use cars, and do they not use electricity? And anyway, as I went by them, and they're on the, you know, the horse and wagon thing, like an episode of Bonanza or something, and I, 
<laughs> I just I drove by and I'm thinking, man, oh man, I know. how often do we say that? You know, it's 2022. We figured a lot of this stuff out. And I'm thinking how aggravating for those young guys, right? A Porsche goes by or a Mustang or some cool car and they're giddy up, giddy up. That's right. <laughs> they're looking. Gotta be, they, you gotta be committed. Like, yeah, the, the, the car goes by, they slap the horse's ass with the leather of the row of the reins and then they scratch their underbeard and think, what the fuck have I done? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, how did I get here? Yeah. What's well, interesting, I, I hadn't turned on Stern for a few months. I, I didn't know if he was on live shows or not. And the last couple of days, I've listened to some stuff. And once again, it was that classic, great Stern interview, long form, the guy from Imagine Dragons, a couple of the members, and really got yeah. into this guy growing up in the Mormon religion. Mm-hmm. And, it's fa- and, and, and being as fascinated as we are by religion, mm-hmm. It's interesting to hear how just what they have to do. He got kicked out of Brigham Young University because he was asked by a counselor if he'd ever had sex. sex. Mm -hmm. Hang on. Getting a uh, uh, echo again. again. Noel. Noel. Yeah, it's coming from Noel. Noel. Mm -hmm. It is. Can you you hear me now or is it still an echo? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. But it's coming. It's feeding back through something to do with you there, pal. Sorry about that. Here, let me go yeah, over here. Yeah. Is your Is speaker, speaker on? on? Is there Is something? There something? Is it better? It should be better now. Uh, check, uh, check, check, check. Nope, it's nope, still coming. It's still, still coming, echoing, still echoing through, through, through there. Uh, sorry about this, guys. Let me just switch to the regular computer. Okay, okay. There we go. Uh, whatever was uh, the problem is gone now. He's going to go to a different computer. Better now? Yeah, man. Yes. Awesome. Sorry about that. No, that's perfect. Yeah, that's Thank fine. Thank goodness. We didn't want to lose yeah, you. Cause, yeah, well, yeah. Well, you're one of our favorites, and we and we have a lot to catch up on. I uh, just want to, whatever, what was the point I was on? I don't even fucking remember. A mistress. You were talking about a mistress. <laughs> no. You were talking about the guy from Imagine Dragons being Oh, just, a, just the, um, yeah, it was the, the, he got kicked out of BYU mm-hmm. uh, University. First of all, also had like seven brothers and sisters, all of them lawyers and doctors. So this is a very bright family. He goes to BYU. He's in talking to a counselor, Noel, and they ask him, had you ever had sex? And he had had sex in with his high school sweetheart. And uh, what most people do when they go to that university, they just lie. But he said he told the truth. Guy goes, the guy, the count, the bishop left the office, calls his parents, comes back. He's kicked out of university. This happened in in within modern times. Mm hmm. Anyway, we don't. We, you know, we have no time for religion. We got to talk about American politics. He's one of our favorite guests, as I mentioned, and for uh, the last couple of years has been, you know, checking in from time to time, and uh, it's always uh, it's always something. Please say hi, and Noel. I don't have all my stuff in front of me. My computer crapped out, so uh, it's. Uh, oh, here we go. Little Imagine Dragons. As we say hi to Noel Castler at Noel Castler comedy i don't have it up yeah that's right noel castler comedy noelcastler.com i'm out there i'm ubiquitous yes you are and uh, very prolific i'd say the last couple of months have been some of your best stuff i seem to see two things one you seem to have increased the amount you're tweeting uh, it, it seems to me and uh man multiple threads trying to take apart this whole what is going on fred and i just said i can't keep track anymore there's just too much of it 
You know, it's insane. And it's funny you say that because personally, I feel like I'm at an inflection point. Like Twitter is almost not enough. I'm thinking of maybe starting a newsletter or a sub stack. <laughs> you should. You know, so I could just dive a little deeper, you know, because people know me for jokes and primarily I'm a comedian, but it's getting so complicated and there's so many different scandals. You know, now we have this Ron DeSantis thing that's certainly like a paramilitary up, right? That took a lot of planning to fly these people to Martha's Vineyard and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to pay attention to all this stuff because Trump's strategy was always to have so many scandals that people become overwhelmed and they forget about it. And we're, we're, you know, we're sort of at that point. Well, that's what I said to Howard, you know, until something sticks now, until there's a, you know, a, a decision that actually moves this thing forward and in you know an indictment or something like i i can't stay interested because it's just this it's just more of the same exactly and nobody's ever held accountable so people yeah. get sort of investigation fatigue right oh. okay here we go another investigation there's a guy named ryan zinke who was the interior secretary for the u.s he had 18 scandals while he was you know in office he's the guy who stole like 200 350 million dollars from puerto rico to rebuild the electrical grid after hurricane maria they're right now without power the guy was a complete lunatic he showed up for the first day at his job on a horse had him hoist a special flag about just a lunatic who didn't survive the Trump administration. He's now running for Congress in Montana. Yeah. Nobody's paying attention. So my point being, you can get away with so much scandal and then come back and people forget. Guys who should be in jail are still at it. And I'll shut up, but Letitia James is gonna make an announcement at 10.30 a.m. this morning, and I'm told she's gonna sue to dissolve the Trump administration, his business. That's a civil lawsuit, but it might be the first sort of official chink in his armor. Yeah, um, um, you know, when, 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 there, when you said something, it's like indictment fatigue, it's scandal fatigue. And, you know, I was saying to Freddie before the show, there's a, uh, I saw this on political and it sort of tried to break down, you know, yesterday's decision by this special master that was appointed uh, for something. And then I, I was reading and I reread it twice because I'm like, I don't really know what this means anymore. You know, and I sort of read it a grade seven level at least and um i just I, I i couldn't absorb all the details in it my point being if we can't right keep track of it how is the average voter going to and as to your point i guess that's the is that the strategy that you just over it's to, it's so overloaded between carrie lake and desantis flying immigrants around the country and uh there's the the records the fbi no one can keep track of it yeah. And the record gets set by whoever lies the loudest. Right. The Mueller report was a great example. He was clearly found guilty of sort of colluding with Russia, with doing all this malfeasance. But Bill Barr got a hold of the report before anybody else said Trump. You know, there's no collusion, you know, and it wasn't true, but he had six weeks to repeat that mantra on Fox News. And your average Joe who's getting his news from his buddy at the bar after his shift, you know, driving a backhoe somewhere, he's only going to hear that soundbite. And the right wing has, you know, an enormous megaphone compared to the left, right? Because the left is infighting and legalese mm -hmm. and Fox is like, they're all Democrats or Satanists. And, they're <laughs> that's right. babies. and people are like, well, that settles it. I don't want my baby getting eaten. I bet you Barr would love a redo on that now, considering yeah. how he's flipped. Yeah. Um, 
the, the other thing about regardless <laughs> of whether funny. you're a a democrat or a a republican this whole concept of you know the law is for everyone no one's above the law we keep hearing about that bullshit obviously that isn't the case because you look at just trump alone so much of what he's done the average person would have been long ago put away for some mm-hmm. of that stuff yeah so that so don't beat your chest and say in america there's yeah. you know one law for all of us no there's yeah. not so again whether i'm a republican or democrat that should piss me off as an average guy it absolutely should because the law yeah. is basically designed to protect wealthy white men in this country you're not going to prison if you got enough money to hire lawyers mm-hmm. yes. Trump had been in, involved in 4,000 lawsuits before he was president of the United States. 4,000 separate court cases. Most people once or twice will go to right. court, have a problem yes. with a mortgage yeah. for, or something. Or, or, no, you know for, I was mean? gonna say for a traffic ticket. Right. I'm not, you've never been sued, he hasn't, I haven't. Well, no, that's true, we have, but that's a difference. You know, that was a, that was a mistake, <laughs> that was a mistake on our part. But uh, yeah, to your point about you know, he has moved the needle of what decorum is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Let me once, give you an example. Well, I was going to say, once you, once you can, he, he has rewritten all the rules for what a president should, how, how to act presidentially. Absolutely. And just like a human being. You know, in 2008, we had the financial crash that hit the real estate market. He had bills coming due on a tower he built in Chicago for $750 million. He didn't have the cash, so he missed two payments. So Deutsche Bank started like, you know, they put him in arrears. They wanted to collect the money. Trump hired a lawyer and sued Deutsche Bank for predatory lending for $3 billion, which of course was a bad faith lawsuit, but they backed off and dropped 200 million off the bill. Right. That's what you can do if you have enough power to employ white shoe law firms. Most people don't want the headache. Even a Mm -hmm. massive global bank like Deutsche Bank was like, all right, dude, we'll we'll knock 200 million off the bill. Just get the hell out of here. And they continue Mm -hmm. to loan him money. You know, there's a sort of infrastructure in America that protects the wealthy. And no matter how many rules they break, other people want that commission. They want to do business. If you're a 20 year old kid with a bag of weed in your backpack, you're going to prison for 20 years in Oklahoma or someplace, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, especially if you're black. Oh, forget about it for your mm-hmm. life, you know. And this stuff lately, I mean, beyond the lawsuits, this these dark sort of predictions of his the storm is coming. If I'm indicted, the reaction is going to be ugly. Yeah. He's actually whipping up and calling to arms the scumbags that make up his base. And it's just so blatant and obvious. Yeah. If and even if I'm a moderate Republican, I, that, that shouldn't that bother me? <laughs> In the last, it should bother you. It mm-hmm. should bother you, Fred. And the last week alone, they had Trump activists, MAGA activists protesting mm-hmm. January 6th in, insurrectionists that are in jail, calling a veteran suicide hotline and jamming up mm-hmm. the number the other yeah. day. So guys who wanted to kill themselves or were thinking about it couldn't talk to a counselor because these idiots were calling in. Mm-hmm. They arrested a woman, the FBI, who'd been calling a children's hospital in Boston for a month, calling in bomb threats every day. 
a children's hospital. These are Trump warriors. These are the people that he's activating. Yeah. You know, the QAnon <laughs> stuff, he's not flirting with it. He's full on now. You saw the rally Saturday. Where oh, they're yeah. All raising uh, their well, hand. You know, I was going to talk about that rally. I was talking a little bit about it yesterday because, you know, a long time ago, like in the early days of our relate, you know, when we first met you, I was I was saying, <clears throat> you know, that <clears throat> excuse me, that there's a lot about the Nazi playbook that Trump you know, is basically espousing. And, you know, I got a little pushback from my friends. Well, you know, let's, you know, that's a little bit much. He hasn't killed 6 million people. Okay, but he's activating his base the same way, you know, that the Third Reich did. And there you have that rally Saturday night. And I saw this on Twitter. Maybe you did too. Uh, they took that photo of the people with their arms raised up and that sort of Heil Hitler vibe. And then they decolorized it. They made it look like it was black and white. And it's so chilling because it's so much like those photos from the 30s and again back to your point freddie how a moderate republican conservative american doesn't see that and isn't chilled by it is really i guess the question we're asking today why isn't that more of an issue Man, it's a good question. And I wish I had an honest answer for it. I don't, you know, other than the corruption that's inherent in these moderate Republicans. And they're like, or, mo you know, modern Republicans, as you said, they're, they're good with it. Fascism kind of works for them because they're the ones in power. Right. right. You know, and, and Trump isn't just somebody who's flirting with Nazism. He was obsessed with it. His father was into it. Trump had a copy of Hitler's speeches next to his bed, apparently. You know, all the iconography of MAGA, they take that from Nazism, right? They had the uniforms, they had the tough guys kind of looks and the symbols and stuff. That's Trump 101. It's it's the same language, right? It's it's demonizing the other and immigrants and anti-Semitism. All the things that are tenets of MAGAism are the same things that worked in Germany. And the thing that scares me the most is the German population was much more educated back then in the 30s mm -hmm. than the average MAGA guy, right. Yeah. right? The average MAGA guy is a fucking, sorry to curse, is a no, lunatic. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Or, you know, compared to... <laughs> To, to, to how those guys were. And Hitler didn't have YouTube. He didn't have Mike Flynn telling him crazy QAnon stuff every night. He didn't have Alex Jones. You know, the problem with modern media is these guys can log in at three in the morning and go down a rabbit hole of conspiracy stuff that they're into it. You know, they're indoctrinated. You know, the um, uh, racism intolerance always simmers below the surface. Even here in Canada, and a guy like Trump, the enabler, brings it out. And, you know, taking these immigrants and flying them to Martha's Vineyard and all that. What scares me about that is there's probably, there's millions and millions of Americans laughing at that and thinking, yeah, we got him. You know, and that. So what yeah. do you think Trump's strategy is then? Like the other day on his, um, his truth, truth social, social or whatever yeah. you call it, he actually, and I looked to see if it had been... If it was bullshit, that little cue on his lapel and then the storm is coming. What's the strategy going there? Like, I don't isn't it eventually going to piss off moderate Republicans? Like, I, I, I don't get the strategy. What do you think it is? I think, you know, I don't think he's worried about moderate Republicans. He's he, he wants to stay out of jail. Do you know what I mean? He wants to wield power. And the guy I know would burn this country down rather than let his own ego right. and his own narcissism come, up, come under attack. 
You know what I mean? He's a guy who'd be more than happy to watch it all burn. And what I think he's activating in these QAnon people is sort of, I think it's going to be like a soft guerrilla war, right? When people talk about, oh, they want to take on the government, it's not like they're going to be lining up in a field across from, you know, the the second cavalry, right? Right. It's going to be like I just described with the Boston Children's Hospital. Right, a lot of little... blowing up a Planned Parenthood in Oklahoma and a militia up in Michigan. And you know you can't go into that town if you look like a liberal because you're going to get harassed all that kind of stuff in a country as big as ours is going to be dangerous because it's everywhere last time we spoke i was on nantucket that's right across the bay from martha's vineyard right it's the same area and there was maga guys there you know what i mean the same kind of people that were laughing and cheering on the martha's vineyard stunt they're there and he's He's flipped the coin in the U.S. where people want to be cruel to their fellow man. And that's the most dangerous thing you can do. As Lincoln said, a house divided will not stand. Yeah, and and there's well, there's so much in what you said. I, I want to bring up this point before I forget. I'd written down, uh, I'd read something a couple days ago. And this is just not just about Trump. It's about the way the U.S. political system is so much different than ours. Uh, I think our elected officials in Ottawa would probably make Freddie somewhere around 175,000, a couple hundred thousand a year right, as a right, sitting, right. you know, with a, our, the, our version of a senator or a congressman. Right. And that's kind of what they get paid down there, somewhere around a couple hundred grand. And yet there's all those stories of McConnell and, and not just Republicans, Democrats too, that leave or after a few years are worth all of a sudden $25 million on a $200,000 a year salary. Here's why. They did an investigation, 81 Democrats and 101 GOP congressmen made all these stock purchases. And, and just to be clear, these are people on committees that actually can affect market movement. That's 81 Democrats, 101 Republicans made huge gains. This is during the pandemic and, and beyond based on their playing the stock market ahead of decisions that they were part of that committee. I only point that out because it's not just Trumpism. You know, back to your point about if you're a white person in America, you're not going to jail because you act, you have access to money and money has access to lawyers, etc. Which is why I've said this a few times, Noel, that not just here in Canada, I think all politicians should be on a term limit, that you should be elected, you serve for two, four, or six, whatever it is, and then you move on. I agree with you 100%, you know, and that's a problem on both sides of the aisle. People are going to D.C. because they're going to get rich. Nancy Pelosi gets rich, you know. Yeah. It should be, like you said, it should be public service. It should be like, I'm going to take a pay cut for a couple of years and I'm going to do the right thing. And when I get out of office, even presidents, even Democratic presidents are gazillionaires when they leave office. You know what I mean? Obama's got a big house in Martha's Vineyard. I'm not indicting him for that, but it, it, you know, you're going to get rich if you get to Congress and and the U S on either side of the aisle. And that's not how it should work. Well, one thing about presidents, I mean, Obama's wealth comes from memoirs and books and stuff like that, that is legitimate. But I mean, who wants to read uh, Jim Jordan's book or his memoirs? You know what I mean? But and that's why he so clings to the Trump thing, because that's his ticket into office, which means the parking spot, which means access to what Howard was talking about, which means he's going to get rich and he doesn't care how he gets there. 
Yeah. And to Howard's point, you know, Jim Jordan is a great example, Fred. He's been in mm-hmm. Congress for over 16 years. He hasn't authored a single piece of legislation. Right. That's it's right. like you have a band and you haven't written a song. <laughs> right. and you've but, you, but you get a huge signing bonus every year. Right. Your contract just keeps getting renewed. Uh, if you look again, that's why I pointed out it's not just Republicans. The Our system Listen, I know our guys go to Ottawa and I'm sure that they hear about deals and their friends uh, include them and they get all kinds of perks and whatever. But you don't you know, you're not the, you know, the uh, elected official from Saskatchewan worth 25 million after five years in in Ottawa. It just doesn't work that way here. Yeah. And And it it shouldn't work that way. And, you know, to take it one step further, Citizens United was a ruling down here in the Supreme Court that allowed unlimited money into super PACs. And that's now being exploited on either side of the Mm -hmm. aisle, right? There's a lot of Democratic grifters out there like, send me money, help get the congressman, you know, help turn them blue. These kids are just getting rich and people don't even realize you're contributing to a super PAC. There's no laws about how they spend that money. They're putting it in their own pockets on both sides yeah, we and it tend to, that way, well we you know? tend to think because the the republicans are doing it it must be terrible but they, they but the democrats are doing it too mm. i'm back to my idea and i've said this many times about and i like what you said it's supposed to be public service you're supposed to the the reason i, I thought of it a while ago is i was on a board of a kids theater here in toronto and you know you basically sign up for a limit you're on the board for three years and you have an option for three more but that's it There's nobody on the board for 15 years and you know, coming in, you're volunteering your time as a service to the community, which is what our elected officials kind of should be. That was sort of the spirit. You take time away from your job to go serve the public and then you go back to your job. Yes, there might be some perks. You make contacts that are good for your business. Okay, fine. But not a job for life where you're worth 30 and 40 million dollars on 175 a year. I agree. That's all I have to say. I will take questions. (laughs) It's you're absolutely right. You know, and greed is almost the core moral failing that is across the world just becoming a toxic element. There's no more altruism left. Right. It's all about greed. And in my country, that's been rewarded. That's been a mantra since the 80s. Greed is good. You know, like, why shouldn't I get paid? Not everybody has to get paid a gazillion dollars. Some people just want to be of service to other human beings. And that is a virtue in and of itself. Yeah, man. And, and you gave us a great example of greed. So you're in control of $350 million for the power grid. Where was it? It was in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Why not steal 10 million and have no one notice? Why do you have to have it all? You know, right. and, and, and you know <laughs> like, what that, think about that. Yeah. And what that guy did is he gave the contract to rebuild the grid to a company called Whitefish Electric, which was right. his college roommate. And it had two employees. So yeah. there was no chance they were going to do anything. They just took all the money. And because mm-hmm. it was under Trump, he got away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, man, it always goes by too quickly. We've got a bunch of people lined up and uh, thanks for uh, I don't know what this is. It's almost cathartic every time you're on. It's like, you know, we sort of save up all the uh, all the all of this and we just gonna puke it all at you. And you're like, oh, what about this? No. And you're like, well, guys, this is how it is for me. Um, we wish you nothing. Uh, we're now going to we're going to say instead of saying God bless, we're going to say God bless because we mm-hmm. believe that gourds are real. So God, God bless you. Mm-hmm. Um, Noel Castler, quickly tell everyone how they can uh, 
hang out with you. You can find me on Twitter at Noel Comedy. And uh, that's about it. Just, you know, be safe, everybody. It's great talking to you guys. I love it every month. And uh, be well. It's a nice time of year. Enjoy it. Hey, by the okay, way, buddy, thanks. go check out the video of our prime minister singing uh, at a piano bar. Apparently, it's outrageous. The This is the worst thing you can see about our prime minister is that he's singing yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody on the weekend of the 96-year-old <laughs> Queen's funeral Good God, I need to move to oh Canada. That's no, no, I know. <laughs> no, I know. That's our big scandal here. <clears throat> All right, man. Exactly. Take care. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. I don't know what's uh, wrong with me today, but uh, I really have a scratchy throat. I'll send that to you in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Gig Sky guest of the day, that's who that was. Gig Sky, mobile data in 190 countries. Download the app today. Enter the code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan. As I mentioned the other day, and the other day being yesterday, that Gig Sky has expanded their purview, I guess is the word. When you're traveling, you can use Gig Sky travel rewards. You can get up to 50% cash back on over 850,000 hotels around the world. A rental car rates. You can book your theme park, advent- theme park adventures uh, as well from your GigSky account. So you get a 100% data plan and great bargains on travel. GigSky.com has all the details, Friedrich. Yes, let me tell you about uh, Bodog, uh, early line out on the Buffalo Bills game against the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. The uh, the Dolphins, they are a five and a half point pick. Okay, so basically six points there. Um, apparently, we uh, expect a big competitive game on Sunday. The Dolphins are a pretty good uh, club, but again, the uh, Bills are favored. Uh, whether you're a sports be- uh, better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and racebook. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't even talk to him about, uh, speaking of sports, about the scandal involving Brett Favre. You know, there's another thing. He says he had no idea what was going on. And I'll just quickly, the story is that hundreds of millions of dollars in one of the poorest states in the country. Is it Kentucky? Missouri? Doesn't yeah, matter. One of those. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, I'm sorry, too. Uh, anyway, he was involved in some scheme with him, the governor, some other elected officials. Mm-hmm where hundreds of millions of dollars that were earmarked for, wait for it, welfare. Mm-hmm. You know, what you said there about the, uh, the, the guy that ripped off the, the country. Mm-hmm. Like, like how, like, I don't even understand like the level of greed. Yeah. This is money that was earmarked for people that really need it. Why steal it all? Steal some of it if you're going to do that, but why steal everything? And I don't know the story about Brett Favre, but I just think it's interesting that this isn't anywhere near the outrage that Colin Kaepernick, you know, mm-hmm. received mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. putting his fucking knee on a football field, you dunderheads. Meanwhile, this is one of the poorest states, the poorest people in that state. Mississippi. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So think about it. One of the poorest states and the poorest people in that state were denied some relief because 
and again, whether he's at fault or not, it was a scheme that he was involved in. He thought to build some sports complex, but um, the money was being siphoned away from welfare. Howard, it was to build a volleyball facility. So they redirected that welfare money to build the volleyball facility. And guess what sport Favre's daughter is most prominent in? I'm guessing uh, volleyball. Yeah. So he's got stink all over him with this. But you're right. That's a great comparison. You know, it's Brett Favre. You know, he's the all-American white quarterback of the... That's right. You know, the Green Bay Packers. He's okay. And I'm going to guess that a lot of... You never of, see him on his knee. That's right. He he loves America and, and gourd and apple pie. Yeah. Um. By the way, do you see how quickly I've adopted that? Yes, yes, yes. Um, well done. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, that story we just told, I'm guessing a lot of people listening, not that there's a lot of people listening, <laughs> but some of the people listening would not would not have heard of that. I mean, I know you and I pay a little bit different type of attention. I know that. I've acknowledged right. it already today. But uh, I don't know how. They, so there's a story of, of, real, of real people being really hurt by something. Who was hurt by Colin Kaepernick kneeling on that football field? Well, I'll tell you who was hurt. Colin Kaepernick was hurt. Mm-hmm. Now, Brett Favre has diverted funds. And I, by the way, thanks for filling in the blanks. I, I knew that story of the volleyball, that his daughter was involved. Um, but that story will not get the widespread outrage that it should. And it really is sad. Again, one of the poorest countries and the poorest people, poorest state, the poorest people in that state. Anyway. Um, what would Brett Favre be, be worth? I don't know. Um, yeah, you, you tell me what, well, what kind of money did he made, uh, make as well, he a, made, he made lots. I, you know, I don't know, but anyway, and you know, he's, they, he, you know, he's involved. There's text messages about, there's even one where apparently he is saying something like, you know, nobody can find out about this. And yeah. then he's assured that, um, that no one will find it will never come up. And then he responds by uh, by saying, "Well, then, great, it's a go." And like, <laughs> he's all. Over. So he knew that there was some some skullduggery around it. I can yeah. see. I didn't know that part. I he the last I heard, he claimed uh, not having any real idea. Blah blah blah. But <laughs> I I knew there was text messages where he understood that <laughs> there was something being diverted. But again, you know, like. That's why, and I've said this before too, that it's, it's unfortunate that the people that support this movement around the world, not just in America, are often the people who are the most affected by the consequence of it. They don't seem to realize they're the ones being hurt. And again, yeah. I know it's easy to make fun of those MAGA people, and they are fucking disgusting. Some of them are just so ridiculous. But I also have empathy for them because I don't think they're... It's that old thing that... Uh, John Cleese said, if you're really stupid, you're too stupid to know how stupid you are. Yes. Mm-hmm. And again, we see it, you know, it's raising its head here in Canada, too, on the weekend. Again, there's something going on in Peterborough with this. What's sad, too, is this our sweet, beautiful Canadian flag has sort of become a symbol for freedom. Like when you see these trucks now, like if they've got the the Canadian flag in the bed of the truck and flying, you know, strong and proud, 
that's they're using our flag to spread their message mm-hmm. which at at the very basis is evil and i don't give a shit what anybody says i don't care what you know all those people that say oh you know they have they you know they have they have issues they have they have an argument yeah yeah uh, okay, we got the retirement Sherpa. That's working. What is, uh, you know, the Sher- I, don't, I don't have the Sherpa music loaded. And now, I, is it, what is the actual song? Is it Cashmere? I think it is. Timmy, is it Cashmere that we play? Yes, it is, young okay. man. Absolutely. Thank Little you Sherpa much. style uh, stuff. Um, I don't know if you heard, but my computer, uh, I broke it with a toothpick. And uh, <laughs> now, now I'm using a loner computer, so it doesn't have all the stuff on it. <laughs> I did see some of the fun you guys were having to start the day off, that's yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, you know, it's like uh, Sam Harris says in his waking up uh, videos and such, that in every day you have to be prepared for one of the things that you rely on, a piece of equipment, your phone, could be your car, your computer. Be prepared because, you know, they're inevitably that stuff is some days are going to go awry. And yesterday was that day for me. Uh, but great to visit with our friend, the retirement Sherpa. We've been referencing Tim in several places today. Tim.nibble at RaymondJames.ca. That I know from memory. He is uh, with us for his weekly visit. And uh, I think we talked about you yesterday. I mentioned I had seen you at the golf course. And two things. You look great. I felt. Uh, I've always felt you're very attractive. But um, how did you feel after your, uh, your round there the other day? Yeah, thanks. Um, and I, you, of course, uh, Howard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I felt good. I I, uh, I was fine afterwards. A little sore. I mean, I'd known that I'd golfed 18 holes for the first time in a long time, but even the day after, I was okay, and uh, it was uh, it was encouraging. A long road still, sadly, but uh, but encouraging for sure. And I think you encouraged a lot of people who are happy to see you there. Freddie, go ahead. Oh, he's on the rebound, and that's mm-hmm. uh, good to know. That's good to know. And you do. You look. Uh, you look very good. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's hey, it's home for me, right? I've been there for uh, whatever, however long it's been open, fourteen, fifteen years, and mm-hmm. been the men's captain twice. A little, you know, deficient in decision making process there, apparently. But uh, just a great bunch of people. Obviously, our Saturday group is awesome, and yeah, it's home sweet home. It's like when you go up to the uh, the lake, Fred. I'm sure, right? Same kind mm-hmm. of deal. Or it's when I, or like me, when I hang around the the Tim Hortons in my neighborhood, we all get together and uh, <laughs> let's look. This is interesting, and I uh, you've mentioned this uh, before. It's called the visualcapitalist.com, and it's fantastic. It's a great visual uh, look at capitalism and, and money and wealth and happiness. And this is an interesting chart. It's uh, relationship between wealth and happiness by country. And I just open it up, and uh, so how do we rate? Not to put you on the spot, but. How do we rate here in Canada in terms of happiness and wealth? Uh, Canada's pretty good. We're, we're quite a ways over in the, in the wealth part there. Uh, we're in the rich and happy uh, quadrant, mm-hmm. uh, a little uh, richer on average than the States, uh, a touch happier, but not much. Uh, and, and an interesting thing is if you drill through, uh, and this is probably a bit of the, the difference between us and the U.S., is a quality of wealth is really important to a country's overall happiness. And uh, even you could argue within a, a neighborhood or a city or a community or, or whatever and all as well, uh, a, a business area, anyhow, any organization. Uh, so I, I think that probably gives us a bit of a leg up over uh, 
uh, the state specifically is just we have a more equal distribution of wealth in our country. Yeah, um, it says here median wealth uh, per adult. Canada, 125,688. United States, 79,274. Is that telling us that the average Canadian has more personal wealth than the average American? Yes. That's what it's telling us. Yeah. Americans would never, ever believe that. But here's what's interesting, Freddie. The number one one country for uh, happiness... Finland has a happiness score of 7.8, but their median wealth per adult isn't the highest. It's 73,000. Right. Yeah. But I would say to you that countries like uh, Finland and, uh, and, well, Switzerland, Denmark, they've got pretty good median wealth. But a lot of those countries, the state, the government takes care of a lot of the citizens' needs, mm-hmm. which makes them happier. And those Scandinavian countries, right? It's so cold. They're inside screwing all the time. Of course, they're happy, you know? Yes. I think that was one of the, uh, <laughs> just, the bullets that they've got there. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to see what the Sherpa's reaction was. It's like, yes, Fred, that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Wow. Um, it's interesting, well, though. You know, I think that um, certainly as it relates to uh, my Sherpa-ing or whatever, I mean, money's still important, right? Uh, it, it gives you more options it gives you more security it it gives you the ability to maybe give more in in different ways and also yeah it it's a pretty straight line on average there's some outliers of course as uh as you can see but the more money you got kind of the happier you are on average but yeah then you got the layer of the socialist type of countries and uh they, they seem to be doing a little bit better per capita on average. Um, just to give some perspective, so the uh, highest happiness score, Finland at 7.8. Uh, the looks like to me the, the median wealth per adult, you know, I've been to Iceland. They have a high uh, wealth, 231,000 per citizen. But I think part of that is because they only have like 14 people that live there. Um, mm-hmm. So they're, they're uh, so Finland at 7.8, Canada at 7.0 which is the same as the u.s although our median wealth per adult is higher all of this to say that uh taking care of your money you know can make you i don't know if but certainly feel more secure which also offers a level of happiness yeah it's just really interesting to see and and uh we could dissect this uh for for hours or days or or whatever s3 but uh you you can see different ones like uh belarus and saudi arabia and they have similar incomes but dissimilar happiness right so what are the reasons uh for that i think in the email i mentioned bulgaria and something else that starts with a b or or Uh, brazil 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 that's right so it's not totally linear as as far as the more money you've got the happier you are there's definitely a correlation but yeah brazil's a great outlier right six point something in happiness um but a a much much less uh, overall wealth per adult like appreciably less so why are they so happy that's pretty interesting to look at yeah, and I, again, you know, money isn't everything, but as you point out here, it is something. I mean, once someone can consider themselves comfortable, then they can more appreciate the other things that don't cost money. As you say, some of the best things in life are free. If you just have a basic comfort level financially, then it allows you to 
open yourself up to other things. And what do you say here? You can have everything and have nothing or have nothing and have everything. That is so true. Right. Absolutely. Right. I think it was Golf Spiritual Leader that told me that. But uh, thank you. You, you know, we, we all do that in any given day, let alone uh, throughout a week, month, year and and all. But uh, yeah, if you, uh, you know, do or don't have your health, of course, do or don't have friendships, do or don't have uh, uh, self-actualization. The, these are super important things, too. Right. And a lot of these things that really get us up in the morning and help us go to sleep happy at night uh, have nothing to do with money. Well, I think a lot of those countries, as you said, the outlier countries where maybe wealth isn't as high as some of the first world countries, but their happiness levels are similar, similar to ours, does kind of tie into some golf spiritual stuff, which is when you have higher expectations that are unmet, that causes pain and then, of course, some suffering along with that. That's why a lot of U.S. Canadians, you know, North Americans, even though we have enough, some of us have a lot, but we're not quite as happy because our expectations of our lives, I think, sometimes are out of proportion. I get it. Yeah. You know, when when we go to I've gone and visited, you know, some of the you know third world countries, Mexico and such. And there's a level of happiness they have with less because they don't expect it. They mm-hmm. have no expectations of a new mm-hmm. Tesla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's well, you, you know, no matter how much you got, right? Somebody else has got more. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you drive along Lakeshore in Burlington or, or Oakville or any number of er- areas, and you'll see some huge places. And I'm sure a lot of the people inside of there still feel wanting because somebody else has a bigger place or a newer place or, or the latest Tesla or you know, whatever, and that sort of thing. So it's it's very elusive, right? I mean, study after study after study has shown that purchasing something only gives you uh, kind of that joy and comfort for a, a relatively short period of time. But, you know, 30 years of this gig, uh, guys, I've never had a client say, gee, I wish I had less money. No, of course not. Oh, you haven't? <laughs> That's <No>. weird. <laughs> Howard, um, you know, this is tied to happiness and you bring golf into it how much of your personal wealth would you give up for a hole in one i know the story i I have it right in front of me what oh you don't have that story what story oh i'm sorry i thought you were tying into that hole in one thing how no. much would I? How much no, would I? I'm get? asking you. Know, I, oh, okay. no, that's willy nilly. I'm oh, just willy saying, nilly. To your per- personal wealth, oh. would you give up for a hole in one? Thank goodness. I thought you were. T- <laughs> anyway, um, I would give up uh, what to, for a hole in one? I don't know. I'm like a, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks. I'm not going to buy a hole in one. It's no big deal. I mean, I'll get one. I'm not going to pay for it. I thought <laughs> you were, sure, but did you see this story? I was waiting to do. No. Oh, I was waiting to do with you three. Although just quickly, because we're we do have another interview. But there was a story that is making the rounds this weekend, Fred. I thought you were talking to it or alluding to it. I should say. No. Okay. You have 24 hours on 150 yard par three to make a hole in one, and if you do, you have 24 hours. You get 10 million dollars, but if you don't, you have to go to prison for a year. Do you take that challenge? No. Sherpa, 24 hours, 150-yard par three. You get as many shots as you want. If you get a hole-in-one, you get, a t- you get $10 million. If you don't, now I asked, well, someone asked me, because it's, it's been making the rounds on the social media. I said, if it was a, min- if it was a women's minimum security prison. Well, I was going to say, I'm going to take that back. With Jennifer Aniston? <laughs> so, but Freddie, you would say no. 
Sherpa, the odds are horribly against you there. Well, here are the odds. Uh, uh, There's a hole in one every 12,500 shots. In order to take 12,500 shots in 24 hours, you'd have to do it every six seconds. The other thing I said, Sherps, was I would take that bet if I had 24 separate hours. Like if it did, you didn't have to do it in a day, you could do it over. You could do 24 separate hours over the course of whatever. I might take that challenge. You definitely get tired, blistered, and uh, frustrated. All kinds of things pretty early into the 24-hour period. I mean, I've been playing for 54 uh, years, Howard, and I haven't gotten a hole in one, so I don't like my chances. Yeah, you and me both, brother. I'll tell you right now, I don't even know what I'm going to do when it happens, if it happens. Uh, I have no idea. I I do know this. If you want a great conversation about money, and that's really what he does best, great conversations about how the, the world of money works, get a hold of Tim. Tim.niblet at RaymondJames.ca. Always a fascinating conversation. Thanks for the... Uh, and by the way, if you want to go check this out, it's called the um, visualcapitalist.com slash relationship between wealth and happiness. <sighs> yeah, they've got tons of great stuff. You can get on a newsletter and like I do get a few things every week, actually. And, and lots of layers often and, and fascinating stuff. So enjoying profit all. Have a great week. Thanks, pal. Peace be on you. Gord blessings to everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's uh? Oh, we got to come up. So that's Gord. But what about his son uh, instead of Jesus? Maybe Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jimmy Christ and Gord. I love that. <laughs> Jimmy Christ Gord. Jimmy almighty. Christ Almighty. <laughs> oh, Dan Duran is here. Dan Duran. He doesn't like it's blasphemous. No. It's How dare you take Gord's name in vain? <laughs> Do you mean Gord like uh, the you know the the decorative fruit or no a guy named Gord? Gord. Well, no, no, it's got to be a Gord. guy because no. Fred's oh. point is we know Gords exist. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Okay, so and uh, and his general. son and his baby boy, uh, sweet baby Jimmy. <laughs> baby jimmy christ uh dan duran we don't have the uh dan duran the anchorman comes as for credentials he has none all right got a big wang he don't care he falls off of his chair dan duran his wang is big let's get too graphic because we do have a real guest after dan duran okay Uh, dan is very low my voice is very very low okay so uh now is this the is that the intro do i start now yeah i just i just i realize i don't even have the good uh like live from liz west's backyard liz and west house liz west palatial queen area here's dan duran the South Beach butt lift has become very popular. Buttless bodies like Howard's and mine hey now. have hope. If you're going to have plastic surgery, the most dangerous is buying a bigger butt. BBLs have the highest mortality rate of all cosmetic procedures. The BBL is the Brazilian butt lift. And according to the American Society of Aesthetic Plastic Surgery, BBL surgeries have increased 100% from 2015 to 2019. And now there's a Miami doctor who has vastly improved the procedure. And now the South Beach butt lift is the way to go. In fact, butt seekers from around the world, including Canada, are taking the arses to Miami. And there, he apparently he's had no no deaths from his operation. Uh, I guess you can think of it as like a fat transplant. Yeah, what do they do? Like, what do they put in there? 
Well, they, they take they liposuction from areas of your body that you don't want fat. Okay. So they suck it out. Yeah. And they add it to the areas that you do want it in your butt. So I don't. I don't think there's enough fat on my body to fill up. My, <laughs> to fill up. Well, fatten up a and bit. Even then. though every night, Dan, I've been praying to Baby Jimmy. <laughs> mm-hmm. For a bigger butt, dear baby Jimmy, please make my butt grow again. <laughs> if I'm good, Jimmy loves me. Yes, I know. For the yellow pages, tell me so. <laughs> Let's see. So, what about Lord? Is it Larry? Is the Lord Larry no. now? Could or be. What? Sure. No, you can be a Lord because there are Lords. Lords of uh, you know, Lords exist. You know, Lords and ladies, right? <laughs> Yeah. Well, okay. All that royal. I can't wait to see that yeah. uh, revival of Jimmy Christ Superstar. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, uh, the the butt lift, the, the whole uh, South Beach butt lift, that costs anywhere between five and $12,000 Canadian. If you're interested, you, you might have Well, to you and I, maybe they could give us a two for, or four for one deal. Get four cheeks for the price of two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a two for one. Let's do one. Yeah. One. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I can only afford one butt cheek at a time. Dan Duran, thank you for your special news. Stay here uh, so you can close this uh, program. Right. As we... Uh, I finally did find uh, some uh, music for you. Uh, stand by. It's uh, our pleasure. Let's get uh, Jasmine Branderhorst uh, settled here. Jasmine, can you hear us? I can hear you. Hi, I'm... Fantastic. I'm Howard. That's Freddie over there. There's the beautiful Dan Duran, anchorman. He's a star of stage and screen. Um, will you be join- Will you be joining us with video or just audio today? I can. Oh, do there video. you are. Here we go. There, there you are. Go. Hi, Jasmine. Hello. <laughs> Jasmine, welcome Hi. to the program. She's the creator and designer of the Underline, a Toronto-based design and home goods business. The brand delivers bespoke. Love that word or ready to enjoy pieces that bring comfort, beauty, and joy into people's homes. Kind of the opposite of what we do every day. (laughs) Um, With a background in fashion and design, Jasmine approaches every project with love, with a love of texture and quality of materials, embracing the bold. Learn more at theunderline.ca. Now, why is Jasmine with us? Well, we'll get to the GoDaddy connection in a second, but it's lovely to meet you. Uh, What is your business? Uh, I I read that, but I'm not 100% sure. As you can tell by my aesthetic, it's just a stained white shirt (laughs) no you did a pretty good job of summarizing it so um yeah basically it is just a home goods store so i create um different really unique sort of furniture pieces i do everything building the frames to um, the upholstery, picking and choosing the fabrics and materials. Um, I do some custom work as well, but essentially I'm just out there making beautiful pieces of furniture that people can enjoy. So um, the whole idea is that, yeah, the underline sort of like, you know, you can have a regular sentence when you underline it, it has that emphasis and that sort of like bold, um, yeah, emphasis again on it. So that's sort of what my pieces are, is that bold statement, and um, that aren't just like everything else, you know? Mm-hmm. So is this um, is this one of those situations where you worked for somebody, someone else a, a, at some time and then decided, I should have my own business. I, I should be the person. <laughs> I've always had a side business, kind of doing different sewing. Um, I had a business selling ponchos for a long time, actually. Mm. And yeah, then I moved to Toronto 
And yeah, the ponchos didn't work so well here. They worked really well out west in uh, hippie Kelowna, but they (laughs) didn't quite translate over to Toronto. So yeah, over time, I mean, I had just, um, I've always dreamed about building furniture and designing it. So yeah, I was able to sort of translate that. And yeah, there came a moment during the pandemic where I had a little more time on my hands and decided to focus my energy on that and see how it went. And one piece led to another and here I am full business and it's great. Um, so you're from out West, you're from Kelowna, the, uh, the interior. Uh, I'm not actually, I was just living out there before I moved to So, okay. yeah. It was, um, no, uh, it's cause it's, uh, again, it's, it, it's just, it's just beautiful out there. And I, I had this conversation recently with somebody. I said, not, not enough Eastern Canadians have visited that part of the world. You know, you say hippie Kelowna, but it's mm-hmm. a whole different vibe out there, especially in the winter. It has a whole different, there's a, there's a certain, there's, yes. there's less aggressiveness out there than there is in Toronto, where as soon as winter gets here, we're all just driving around angry. Um, uh, Jasmine, you were featured in a GoDaddy commercial earlier this year about being unstoppable alongside two other entrepreneurs and a Canadian Olympian, Andre DeGrasse. What was that experience all about and how did it uh, tell us about it? Uh, that was a that was a fantastic experience. It was just really cool being able to work with Dr. Dev and Harpreet and hearing their stories on how they had overcome uh, the whole pandemic and that, you know, hiccup that we all sort of lived through. So, it, yeah, we all kind of shifted um, to be able to, you know, stick with our businesses and be able to stay creative um, during that time. So hearing their stories was cool. Yeah, working alongside Andre DeGrasse was also just, I don't know, such a special experience. Um, yeah, and it, it was fantastic. I mean, it was kind of funny at, when we were shooting the commercial because it was cold outside and they have this, you know, simulated storm going on. So there's like cold water freezing down on us and garbage being thrown at us. So it was... Uh, it was a memorable experience, to say the least. And, you know, I wish to make as many um, outtakes as it did to get the shot. Mm-hmm. But we made it through and yeah, have a good laugh now about it. Okay. So it's, it's one thing to have a product. It's another thing to get it to market or to advertise it or promote it so people will buy it. And that's the GoDaddy connection. And I imagine even what you do is pretty competitive. So how you market is very, very important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how did that work for you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, GoDaddy's done a great job of being able to like, um, yeah, do like this website very easily. And they have such a, you know, lovely platform to work on and be able to, you know, stay creative and updated and modern online. So um, they made it very easy to be able to, to have a beautiful website. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky enough to work in the design industry as well. So um, I try and like promote my products through that verbally word of mouth. And it's, it's been great being able to just do that and 
Um, but yeah, online, even through Instagram and these GoDaddy sort of campaigns that can be done here, it's like I've been really blessed to be able to be part of that. So. Well, it, it sounds like it. And what a unique uh, business that you've created. And, and before we say goodbye, is there any just a quick a bit of advice you have for somebody who's listening, thinking, you know, well, you know, maybe I'd like to be that person. Maybe I'd like to be like Jasmine and get involved and finally bring my idea to life. Any advice for uh, someone listening? For sure. Um, I think the hardest part is just starting. Mm -hmm. like, there's never going to be a right moment. You're never going to have that, I don't know, that click moment where it's like, okay, everything is set in place right now and I'm finally ready to do this. Um, I think just going for it and just taking that first initial step is the key to, mm -hmm. to setting off like yourself. So yeah, I'd say start now, just go for it. Don't wait for, you know, that perfect timeline or anything because it, it is right now. Well, it was a pleasure. Ja Jasmine Branderhorst, I hope you've enjoyed your conversation yeah. with the two grandpas and uh, beautiful Dan Duran over there. <laughs> <coughs> uh, thank you very much. It was fantastic. Was yeah. it? Was it really? <laughs> that's that's exciting. Was, yeah. Okay, well, good. Just let them know at GoDaddy that the experience was, you know, not horrid. You know, as it can be with us. Uh, start your website for free with GoDaddy today and try it out. No credit cards even required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. Thanks, Jasmine. Thanks, Jasmine. Thanks. You're a very nice person. Everyone's talking about it. There we go. All right. Well, we had a rocky start to the uh, day due to my uh, toothpick computer uh, incident. But I think it's, uh, it's all worked out. When did they say you're gonna, your old computer's going to be ready in the repair uh, booth? You know what? This place that I take it in Roncesvalles, um, they, they've, they've repaired Humble and Fred uh, hardware before. And uh, they're very good. I got a loaner computer. I got to uh, basically, within a few hours, have most stuff back up and running with the help of Dan and our boy Toronto Mike there. Uh, it could be as early as Friday, Dan, or sometime next week. It's just a matter of getting it in and uh, getting the part. But here's the cool thing, and I'm very surprised at myself because you know that I'm not, I don't always do the right grown-up things, but I, the first thing they did at this store was, uh, it's called Roncy, uh, Roncesvalles Macintosh, or Roncy, Riverdale Mac. The first thing they do is look up my serial number, and they find out that I have Apple Care until 2024, and I was like, Really? <laughs> so you good. bought it and didn't remember well of course not i actually said good for you older uh, earlier howard good for you earlier version of this howard uh and i called up freddie i said uh you know great news we don't you know you don't have to spread one of your giant cheeks for uh because fred's got a fleshy butt still and you and i are yeah off to miami Gosh. to have a butt lift <laughs> but uh yeah we have apple care and it's uh all going to be taken care of and hopefully sometime next week it'll be back to normal so there you go well that's going to save uh, a few doll hairs which is very good thank god yeah, thank goodness <laughs> thank goodness and his son mm -hmm. baby jimmy <clears throat> all right boone we got to wrap this up quickly because i gotta get to uh, kingston well good luck to you in this tournament uh, thanks pal well it's a uh today's a practice round tomorrow is a, a qualifier for uh, another uh, provincial uh, thing that I'm involved in. And this is uh, the second last big event of the year. And then it's... Uh, oh, I thought they were all big. Mm -hmm. They're all big. <laughs> no, they're not. Mm -hmm. They're not all big. So let me hold on to my uh, 
the rare audio I've uncovered of a goo head uh, courtesy of Hal Herbert. Let me hold on to that till yeah. next uh, Thursday. Perfect. Why don't you yeah. tell us, uh, do that, Mike, and tell us quickly uh, who we, we can expect to have uh, as our, because we don't, we only have 50% guest uh, now. So who's on the show next week? Okay. So yeah, we have shows four days next week. So everybody be here Monday live at 730 on the Facebook page. But our guest Tuesday is we rescheduled uh, Karen Zeifman. Did I say that right? Zeifman? Okay. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. And she yeah. is? Uh, Howard wrote the foreword for her book. Oh, she, all, right, right. <laughs> it's a book about uh, relationships and uh, having a sugar daddy or something. It's going to be interesting. You know, it's kind of like the slime that men do, uh, mm-hmm. sort of, for right. ducks. Right, right, right. And uh, speaking of the slime that men do, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff That's Woods funny. has uh, launched a new sexy podcast. Sexy man. Talk to mm-hmm. us about the uh, Blue Hotel. All right. Well, uh, what Jeff's been up to. I don't know where he gets his energy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch. I'd rather watch the Jays than blow some guys. But anyway. Oh, come on. You'd rather watch what? the Jays while some guy's blowing you? <laughs> uh, Dan Duran doesn't need some guy. He can do it himself. There you go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Way Seriously. to wrap up the week. I know. Listen, look, yeah. you know, if, if, we, if, we, if we were blessed by Gordon Jimmy like you, we'd, be, we'd never leave the house. This uh, episode of Humble and Fred, is that a good spot? Yeah, I'm Start done. There. I'm fine. Change subject, okay. yes. Yes, yeah, right. big, yeah, big yeah. joke. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Was brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, and HealthGage. You can email us, humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. And on whatever platform you're listening, help us out by liking, subscribing, and giving us all the stars. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, if you don't believe, just change the name of the deity to an actual human name. So as Howard says, enjoy every goddamn day. Where's that?